0: Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below the video online at fellowshipgj.com or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through your Fellowship Profile on the Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us, and enjoy today's message.
1: really liked that extra hour. Did you take advantage of that? Well, I see you, so you guys better be filled, ready to go and worship our good God, amen? Come on, lift your voice. Put your hands together. Let's worship God. Come on.
2: God, thank you so much for sending your son to die for us that we might experience amazing grace. But to think what it must have been to try to live in an Old Testament time before Jesus, and have to rely on religion and works and rules, and, but you knew that that wouldn't work. And so you sent your son to be that final sacrifice, and it changed everything, changed everything. Everything changed on that day. The the calendar changed that day. How we get eternal life changed that day. Shortly after, Lord, the fact that you sent your Holy Spirit to dwell within all men, not just one priest, not just one spot on the planet, but we have the Holy Spirit, Lord, living within us. Thank you for that. Thank you that we can feel your grace on a daily basis. Thank you for the chains that you have taken off of our backs. So many of us have been forgiven so much, delivered from so much, we can't even begin to make a list on where to start thanking you. But we do thank you, God. You're awesome. We love you. Thank you for your amazing grace in Jesus' name. Let's give him another praise offering, shall we? He's so worth it. Thank you, God. Well, you guys, as you make your way back to your seats, if you'll greet one another, thank you so much for coming to our live services here at Fellowship Church. For those of you who are visiting online or watching us online, thank you so much for being a part of our online experience. And wherever you are, if you're watching at home, you're watching on vacation, thank you for being a part of Fellowship Church, our family here. We thank you uh, for being with us as we've gone through all the craziness over the last uh, seven months or however long it's been. And guys, you know, it's it's November 1st, so you have only a few days to squeeze in a few more of those political ads, you know, before the third. Just soak them up. Soak them up. They're just, they're so fun, so positive, and man, they just pump up authority and make you feel so good. So just get it all in, because they're going to be gone here pretty, <laughs> pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> If you're a guest or a visitor here this morning, we'd love to have a record of you being here. So before you leave, it's so easy to register here at Fellowship. You just use your phones. Uh, If you'll just text the word fellowship to 94,000, you will get a link over to our uh, church center app and it'll help you uh, get some more information about the church it'll also get you pre-registered for our next guest reception we had one of this morning uh, have different families that will come in that are new to the church they want to find out how they can get connected and also get to know us a little more also get a tour of the facility uh, we did that this morning we'll be doing that again in another month so you can start registering for that now if you're sitting at home we'd also like for you to register uh Same way, just text the word fellowship to 94,000. Thank you so much for choosing Fellowship Church. We understand that you have a lot of choices of where you can attend church, but thank you for being a part of our church family. Well, we're gonna continue to worship now the giving of tithes and offerings. I hope you have come prepared today to give back to the Lord. God has continued to bless and take care of us. It doesn't matter what happens in the world. We're We're not set up and we're Christians and we tithe. We're not set up on the world's economy. We're set up on God's economy. Thank God. And so it is really cool to see how God has taken care of us. And we thank you so much for your giving through this time. It helps us to be able to continue to minister. Had... um, uh, over a hundred middle schoolers saved on Wednesday night last week. So really, really cool. And because of your giving, uh, we are able to do that kind of ministry. Now there's different options there. Of course, you can mail your tithe in. Many of you have done that uh, over these last several months. Uh, create a fellowship profile. That is really, if you're new to church, Fellowship Church and you wanna know what's going on and you wanna be able to register events and uh, for events and be able to give. And also now we have all of our messages on the Church Center app. So anytime we do a message, you can actually listen to those or watch those videos on your church center app. You can also give online by going to fellowshipgj.com or you can text tithe uh, as well. So many different options there for you. Let me say a prayer, a blessing over you as you get ready to give. Lord, we recognize that every good and perfect thing comes from you. And Lord, through this craziness of the last uh, eight, nine months, Lord, how you have You have taken care of us, and so we thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to take care of the church's needs, that you would bless us as we give to you, and that, Lord, that everything that would come in would be to your honor and glory today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you give. A few weeks ago, we had a choir special that we did as a video. I don't know if you remember that or not, but it was a really, really cool opportunity for our choir to get together because they haven't been able to do so. So creatively, our media team filmed a video outside, let them socially distance and and do the video together. And that was incredible, uh, the response we got from that. In fact, we have almost 21,000 views of that video alone. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And it's, it's, it's cool the, for, for the fact that, you know, the devil will try to uh, distract or keep us from worshiping or getting the word of God out there. And so, you know, all these different things happen and like, oh, I can't have the choir. I can't can't do this, can't do that. Well, can you imagine if we would have had that choir special on our stage, we would not have reached the 21,000 viewers that we did through Facebook and that kind of thing. So that's just the way God works, right? He says, you know, the devil can't get us down. Uh, His word is gonna go out and it's gonna go out sometimes in creative ways. Now our media team has had to, step up and, and do so many new things through this process of the last seven months. First of all, we were not online at all for online live services before all of this happened, um, and that was a process. We did not have the right cameras. We did not have the right sound equipment. We did not have the right sound boards because we have a, a mix for the auditorium as far as sound is concerned, but you can't put that, auditor- uh, that audio mix on online and make it sound good. It sounds awful. So we had to get a board that that mixes completely different for for television and for video. And so uh, our media team has been hard at work to do those things. And understand when we do a video, acquire special video like that, it's tons of work. It's crazy how much work it takes as far as setting it all up and Staging it and getting all the instruments out there, getting the choir there, getting the musicians there, running all the videos, and they got drones and everything going on, and it's it's pretty incredible, and we did it the first time, and we were like, you know, we want to try this and just see how effective it is, and after 21,000 views, we thought... We need to do a new one, we need to do something different, and so we can reach more people. So as you listen to this one this morning, and it's awesome, I think it's even better, uh, remember to share this with your friends. You know, it's going to be posted on Facebook, and it was, an op- it is an awesome op- op- opportunity to encourage those that we love, whether it's family or friends, um, and this song will do just that. So enjoy another presentation for our Fellowship Media team. What a incredible job they did, as well as our choir and praise team.
3: What an amazing choir special that was. It's really cool to be able to see the worship team and the choir come together to make amazing videos just like that. You know, for a long time, I wanted to sing in the choir and I maybe I, they lost my number for this particular video or something like that, I'll get that sorted out later. But for those of you that wanna sing in the choir or honestly serve anywhere here at Fellowship Church, there's a tab on the Church Center app called Serving Opportunities, and that lists all of the different places here you can volunteer at Fellowship Church. So if any of those things, or maybe God is already stirring in your heart to want to serve somewhere, please do that. One of the new serving opportunities that we have is called Keepers of the House. It's a great way to help us take care of this amazing building and these grounds that God has blessed us with so much. We have some staff that need some help out with that, so you can find that in the Serving Opportunities tab of the Church Center app. Something else that we have brand new this week, we have all of our signs and spiritual warfare content on video, high definition, online for you guys. You have to purchase those through the bookstore, but we have those courses, Spiritual Warfare 1.0, as well as signs available for purchase. So if you miss those courses, or you wanna retake those courses again, see the new content, it's all on video for you. We have a lot of other things coming up here in the calendar here this fall but we are excited for what god is going to do here through the message so enjoy the rest of today's service
4: American family, a mom, dad, two kids, the white picket fence, the dog, just exactly what you'd imagine. Well, a couple of years ago, grandpa died and they decided they got together as a family and discussed and thought it would be best to invite grandma to live with them. So the family refinanced everything and they built like a mother-in-law attached to the main house where grandma could move in and have her own space, but still be a part of everything happening with the family. And it was awesome. Way more home-cooked meals, a ton more time around the table laughing, board games together. It was an awesome move, especially since Dad worked in the oil fields. And a lot of times he was gone and unable, so it was great to have another person to help run the kids and connect with everybody and keep things going. Mom worked at St. Mary's. She was a nurse there a lot of times on the night shift. And the family just benefited and was loving having Grandma together with them in the home. Well, then the price of oil dropped earlier this year, and all of a sudden, dad was laid off, along with half the oil field workers we know. As a result, money got real tight, real fast. Most of the savings had already been spent to build the mother-in-law suite and to go into that refi, and so it was not good. Then mom's shifts started getting cut at the hospital, sent home, low census, not enough people at the hospital, and so money got even tighter. Within a few months, they had missed a mortgage payment and shortly after missed a second. And before they missed the third, dad knew he had to do something. He wanted to go into the bank and, and sit down with the banker that handled the refi and just see like what, what were their options? Did they qualify for stuff from the CARES Act because he had just transferred jobs to take another higher position at a different, like what was gonna happen to them? The family was anxious, so they all piled in the SUV, and mom and grandma sat in the parking lot with the kids while dad went in to kind of plead his case. He sat with the banker, and he told them the whole story of how the family got to where they were in that moment. And the banker was empathetic and kind. And when the father finished telling the story, he looked over at the dad, and he said, professionally, there's nothing I can do to help you. I'm so sorry for what you're going through. And in that moment, the dad just collapsed to his knees and and began to beg the banker, please have mercy on me and my family. Like, help us. We have no other options. And the banker said, well, professionally, there's nothing I can do, but just let me see. And he began to just pound away feverishly on his keyboard doing something and minutes passed and finally he printed off a paper and the dad was sure this was going to be a foreclosure notice on their home but the banker slid the paper over to him and said like I said professionally there's nothing I can do but your story it moved me and so I pulled money out of my own 401k and I went ahead and paid your entire mortgage in full the dad was stunned. Couldn't believe it. Tears of joy streaming down his face. He hugged the banker, even though that was socially awkward, and then ran out into the parking lot to his wife and children. And they saw him with tears in his eyes, and his wife feared the worst. But as he spilled out the story of what had happened and what the banker had done, everyone was thrilled. They decided we must go and celebrate. So they, they jump all in the SUV again and they head towards Texas Roadhouse. And as they do, the dad catches the grandma's eye in the rear view mirror and he pulls over to the side of the road and he says, woman, that reminds me. Your social security hasn't come in in the last two months. You missed your small little rent payment I've been charging you for your mother-in-law suite. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's right, that you would think you could live with us without paying your fair share. You owe us $400. Do you have it?" And the grandma, is stunned by this sudden turn and she stammers that that her social security is late, that Congress is backed up and everything's weird and she just hasn't received her check. But as soon as she does, she'll be sure to make it up. And she begs her son-in-law who ignores her and says, you know, just get out just get out of this SUV, just get out. You you can't live with us anymore. I can't handle you in this vehicle that you would be in our debt and it would be unconcerning to you. And so he put the grandmother out of the vehicle and drove on. Jesus told a similar parable in Matthew chapter 18. And the meaning of the parable is this. We are the dad. Jesus is the banker, and everyone in our lives is the grandmother. And as Christians, we know and believe that that Jesus has forgiven us a huge debt, the debt of all of our sins, that everyone in humanity has sinned, and the cost of sin is death, and Jesus has forgiven the debt of all humanity out of the mercy and goodness of his heart. And as we hold grudges or bitterness or unforgiveness of any kind towards others who have wronged us, We are acting as senselessly, as irrationally as the story goes in this parable. Any amount of living on this planet will cause us to recognize this truth. We're going to get hurt. People are gonna hurt us. Circumstances, situations are gonna hurt us. We might even hurt ourselves. We might even look at the events of our lives and think God has wronged us or hurt us in some ways. And when that hurt comes, each one of us has a choice. What are we going to do? How are we going to process and deal with that hurt? If we decide, I'm gonna tuck into God, I'm gonna pull close to the Lord, I'm gonna let him heal this wound that I'm feeling, Or are we gonna allow that wound to fester and become infected and turn into something so much more? Jesus warned us in Luke chapter 17 verse one, he said, it is impossible that no offense will come. It's impossible. On this planet, we will have trouble, we will get hurt, and as a result, each human being will be offended. And Jesus later said in Matthew 24, he said, then many will be offended will betray one another, will hate each other. The Bible warns us, not a few, not some, but many will be offended and that offense will come and if not dealt with swiftly and properly, it will turn into something so much deeper. The truth is that many of us are caught in this. And our enemy, the devil, His mission statement, he's hell-bent on it, is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what he's after in our lives. He wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he will do whatever he can to trap us. So if I was loading my trap and my goal were to catch a mouse, I would put cheese on my trap. Maybe peanut butter, that's what my dad used to use for some reason. But if I was trying to catch a teenager, a little dab of cheese and peanut butter wouldn't do the trick. I would need the Wi-Fi password, right? So whatever you're baiting your trap for, that's what you're gonna catch. And so if I were trying to catch a man beef jerky or maybe a new pocket knife, I don't know, I thought a lot about how to catch different things, but our enemy, the devil, he's setting a trap for us. That's his goal. He wants to trap us. And Jesus is letting us know that the quickest and easiest way for us to get trapped by our enemy is through offense. It's through the hurt in our lives and how we deal with it. He allows us to get offended. That's just life, right? And then that offense stays there. And then the devil points out to us that offense, that wrong, how we were done ugly, done dirty by someone in our lives. And all of a sudden, that trap, when we're it will spring on us and trap us right in the middle of our hurt or offense, and then, then the devil has us. He's got us right where he wants us. An offended heart is the breeding ground of deception, and that's when unforgiveness sets in. And unforgiveness is defined as a debt that we think someone else owes us for their mistakes. Thank God. That he doesn't make us pay for ours. But nonetheless, unforgiveness is where we want to make someone else pay for how they've hurt or wronged us. And listen to this language. It's so common in how we talk to one another. He threw me under the bus to the boss. He owes me. She stabbed me in the back. She deserves this. He walked out on us. I'm going to make him pay. She turned my children against me. She owes me. But forgiveness is the opposite. It's where we declare in our hearts, they don't owe me anymore for the wrong that they did, and we forgive them our debt towards us. Now it's easy to fall into the trap of believing that we don't have to forgive the debt if the person hasn't apologized. This is a super common mistake and one that I struggle with deeply myself. If they haven't owned it, if they haven't said sorry, if they haven't made some type of promise to change, it's so hard for me personally to let go of my offense. And while those might be reasons to set boundaries, and while those might be reasons to not trust again, they're not reasons acceptable to God to not forgive. And Jesus, of course, is our ultimate example even in this. He literally forgave the people in the very act of crucifying him. He was in the midst of the worst pain known to man. And what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. He said this unprovoked. He said this without any acknowledgement of the wrong being inflicted on him. He said this without the people being repentant at all. In fact, they intended fully and did continue to crucify him. And let him hang there on that cross. But yet he offered forgiveness to his haters in the very acts who were in the middle of their very act of hatred. And for the most part, when we get to a place where we can and do forgive someone, we're actually doing ourselves a favor. Because chances are the other person has moved on from that grudge and the grudge is only hurting ourselves. The coworker, the ex-boyfriend, the parent who disappointed you, the sibling you're frustrated with, the friends who betrayed you. It's been said many times that refusing to forgive is like drinking poison to hurt someone else. But it's more than that. Because Jesus tells us that if we refuse to forgive those who have sinned against us, then the problem becomes bigger than just us and them. Then suddenly the problem becomes between us and our God. Matthew chapter six, Jesus makes this bold statement and it's really easy to understand, but it is incredibly difficult to live out. Verse 14, it says this, Jesus' words, but if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. We love that part. The next part's where it gets hard. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. And we don't forgive those who've wronged us, we get trapped in a cycle of sin and unforgiveness and funk, not just between us and that person, but between us and our God. And that's the correlation that we're talking about in the modernized parable I told in the beginning from Matthew 18, right? You've got the dad, you've got the, the grandma, you've got the funk between the dad and the grandma. Now it's beginning to affect his wife and his children. His entire family is becoming infected with his inability to release this debt. Well, then it goes on that the family goes home. And they begin to, to tell the news that they're no longer, they're not in danger of being foreclosed on. Their friends and family are relieved of their good news. But they also find out that grandma no longer lives with them. And pretty soon, the truth of that story leaks out as well. And people are... That rubs them wrong. They are so put off by that. And they start blowing up social media. They start emailing the banker. They start going, this is unfair. This is unjust. This man was forgiven so much debt, and yet he holds a couple hundred bucks over his mother-in-law. This is wrong. And as a result, the banker would call him in, and the banker did foreclose on his home. But let's listen to how Jesus actually told the parable, not my modern version, in Matthew 18, 31, just the ending part. And I'll let you know right now that that in Jesus' parable, the king is substituted for the banker. So the king is playing the God role in this. It says, when his associates saw what was going on, they were outraged and went to the king and told him the whole story. The king said, you scoundrel. Is this the way you would respond to my mercy? Because you begged me, I forgave the massive debt you owed me, why didn't you show the same mercy to your fellow servant that I showed to you? In a fury of anger, the king turned him over to the prison guards to be tortured until the debt was repaid. In the same way, my heavenly father will deal with any of you who do not release from forgiveness from your heart toward your fellow believer. Ye. Right? These are intense and harsh words, and I'm not trying to be like a downer in this moment, but I think it's really important that we recognize the very reason that we could be in a funk, the very reason we might feel distance between ourselves and God, the very reason we might look at our, our lives and go, this is a mess, my family is a mess, could all be tied to this idea of forgiveness. And so there are a few categories that I think we should consider, some different groupings of people in our lives that we might need to look at to decide, do we have an offense here? Am I holding someone in my debt about something? So the first one is, is there anyone in your life right now? Like someone you're in relationship with on a daily basis, a spouse, a child, a friend, a relative, someone that you see every day, you interact with, and you know in your heart you're holding something against them. Maybe you judge them to have owed you something for how they treated you in the past. Or maybe you're, you're frustrated about their actions right now in the present. And as a result, you don't give them a fresh start as you wake up every morning. Lamentations 3 speaks of God and it says, Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And the same thing should be true of us. Each morning we wake up the hurts and the offenses of the day before should be released and let go and set aside for that person that we're in relationship with and they don't they shouldn't have to wake up and dig themselves out of a hole all over again but maybe you're thinking Joel that that verse in Lamentations is awesome but it's about God like great is his faithfulness his mercies are new i'm only human like i can't roll like that but actually If we look at the whole parable from this morning, that's exactly the standard that God is calling us to follow. His own standard that he sets for mercy, as we have been forgiven, so the Heavenly Father calls to us to forgive one another. So the first category of people, is there someone in our life right now in this moment? The second category of people I would challenge us to look at is, is there someone in your past, anyone in your past that you need to forgive. And maybe you don't see this person or interact with this situation on a daily basis or a weekly basis, maybe not even every month, but when it comes up in your life, just a funk, a sour taste comes into your heart and your mouth, and you know. You know in your heart of hearts, you hold them in your debt. I recently connected with a woman who was a part of our Fellowship Church family many, many years ago. And as happens in every family, um, there came a time where this precious lady and her husband's feelings were hurt by one of our pastors. And it wasn't malicious, it wasn't abusive in any way, but it was sad and it was hurtful. And upon learning that that hurt occurred, the pastor involved went and called the people and apologized. And then, sensing it wasn't fully resolved, he took them to lunch, sat down with them, and continued the apology face to face. And the pastor left the lunch feeling peace and like the situation was resolved. But the couple left the lunch feeling conflicted still. Within a few short months, this particular couple left the church and they found another church. But they found themselves unable to to let go of what had happened. And soon, that Wound began to fester and infection set in. Bitterness spread throughout their whole lives and it began to affect everything. It affected their marriage, their family, their church life, their relationship with God, the way that they worshiped, the way they saw other people. The woman I met with her just about a month ago and she told me that it was like a poison. And although 20 years have passed, this beautiful sister in Christ says it is still one of the most defining factors in their family today. And friends, the truth is this, that church will be a place where hurt will come. There will be an occasion, whether it's in our church or another church that you're involved in, where something will occur that will hurt your feelings. We all strive not to hurt each other's feelings. No one's doing this on purpose, but it is just a fact. It's just a fact of people being together in relationship. And as a minister of the gospel, if you've been hurt in a church, can I just speak to you for a moment? Can I just say, I'm truly sorry. I'm truly sorry that you were wronged. I'm truly sorry that you were hurt. I'm truly sorry that whatever the situation went down, that, that you got caught in the middle of it or, or hurt by it. I apologize, and I urge you to please forgive the actual pastor involved, or the leader involved or the situation or the small group leader, or whoever it was, so that you can move forward and not be like this precious woman who I love and care about deeply. I don't want you to be looking at your life 20 years from now, looking at hurt or infection in the wound that was caused to you. Is it your own self, number three? Is it your own self that you hold in your debt? Sometimes we recognize that the person that we need to forgive is actually ourselves. We all make mistakes or perceive ourselves to have messed something up, and as a result, we sometimes are so harsh and we crucify ourselves, we're way harder on ourselves than anyone else ever would be. And so, because of that divorce, because of the addiction, because of the abortion, because of the DUI, the harsh words, the weight gain, the debt, the miscarriage, the sin pattern of some sort, friends, I urge you, it's time to forgive yourself for the mistake of your past or your perception of your mistake, forgive yourself and release yourself from the debt that you make yourself somehow pay. You're only sabotaging your own life and future. So is there someone in your life now? Is there someone in your distant past? Is it yourself? And then the fourth consideration I would challenge us to make is, is is it God? Is it God? Because sometimes we hold a grudge against the Lord. We're angry or frustrated or bitter with how something turned out in our life or how God would allow something to happen. And as a result, we've allowed ourselves to hold God responsible for this perceived offense. And friends, it is a dangerous place to be to judge God as in our debt. I can't speak to how or why God would allow whatever painful event occurred in your life or mine, but I can promise that he promises to continue writing the story, and if you allow him, he'll bring it back around. Romans 8.28 in the Bible says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for him. This is not to say that some chapters in life aren't really hard, because they are. It's not to say that there's, there's some chapters in my own life that I'd rather God just delete from my life. But it is to say that if we could just hold on, if we can just trust in him, allow the plot to continue to unfold, that God will somehow weave it together in a way that he can redeem. And in the meantime, friends, we cannot get caught up playing God and judging God. Now, regardless of who or what the situation is that we might need to forgive today, we must get to a place where we're able to say from our heart, you don't owe me. You don't owe me anymore. Now, we might not feel like saying that right away, especially, and we might feel like we still need boundaries, which is awesome and appropriate, and Pastor Tim has an incredible series on that. It's available in our church bookstore. How do you rebuild and what are the boundaries? Is, is trust the same as forgiveness, which it's not all of that teaching. I don't have time for this morning, but I encourage you to get that resource. But we, we don't have to trust, but we do have to get to a place where we can say, I release you. As I've been forgiven, I forgive you. And it is well, it is well with my soul. Now that very, that hymn that I just quoted, is well with my soul, was written hundreds of years ago, and it was written by a man named Horatio Spofford. And he was a businessman in Chicago in the 1870s. And as you hear the story that I'm about to share, you'll recognize Horatio had every right to be angry and have a wound, and even to allow that wound to fester and become infected from the world's perspective. As you listen to his story, you'll see that Horatio had, had, had reason to be angry with himself and refused to forgive himself. He had reason to be angry with his wife. He had reason to be angry with an arson. He had reason to be angry with a ship captain. He had reason to be angry with so many people and maybe even in his own mind, shake his fist at God, but that is not what Horatio did. Instead, he chose a different route. So he and his wife were successful, they had five children, until their only son suddenly died as a child of pneumonia. Within a few months, the great fires of Chicago ravaged the city, and the Spoffords lost almost all of their worldly possessions in a few short days. They gathered their resources, and they decided that they would sail for Europe and try to start again. They bought passage for the family, and at the last minute, Horatio himself realized there were too many loose ends business-wise, he needed to tie up, and so he did not board the ship. But his wife went with their four daughters. And the man stayed behind. He received a telegram just a few days later saying that the ship had sank in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, and Mrs. Spofford alone survived the tragedy, and all of their daughters perished at sea. Horatio immediately boarded a ship and went to Europe to join his wife. And the captain of the ship he was on alerted him when he was passing over the area where his own daughters lost their lives. And it was there that he grabbed paper and pen and there that he wrote the lyrics to this song, It Is Well With My Soul. He made a choice, friends. He made a choice to say in spite of Everybody's else's wrongs, I choose to forgive as I have been forgiven. And that's the challenge I lay at our feet this morning is, is there anything in our lives that we need to forgive? Is there any debt that we perceive someone to owe us? And can we get to a place in our own hearts, in our own souls where we're able to say, in spite of how it's unfolded, it is well, it is well with my soul. Would you stand to your feet with me? We're gonna sing this precious hymn in just a few moments. But before we do, I want us to evaluate, I want us to evaluate in our hearts those four categories of people that we may need to look at to see if we should forgive. And so if you come to the decision of, yes, I need to release, I need to forgive, this person or that person. The way that you would do that is in the privacy of your heart, you would utter a simple prayer, God, I choose to forgive. And you just put their name in the blank or the situation in the blank. It's okay if there's fight. It's okay if there's a little war within your soul as you wrestle to release it. It's okay, just utter the words and allow God to begin that forgiveness and healing process within you. So the first point was, is there anyone in your daily life that you need to forgive? I believe that there's some that are just holding a grudge against their spouse. This has been a hard year. We need to forgive. Give them a new shot every morning to wake up and to do your guys' marriage the way God would have you to do it. I know there's some that are so frustrated and exhausted with their teenagers. I challenge you, just forgive them. They're messed up. They're doing the best they can. Just forgive them. Let them have a fresh start every morning. For some, it's your parents. For some, it's another relative or co-worker or a friend that you have to see. But just utter those words from your heart. I forgive, forgive. For others, it's a long ago offense, a hurt that you've carried with you for years. And I just challenge you to forgive that person. They may even be in heaven might not even be alive anymore, but you're still hurt. Just release it, I forgive. Maybe you need to forgive your, your dad or your mom. Maybe you need to forgive someone at a job that you no longer even have, but they just messed with you and ex-boyfriends. I forgive and just include their name. For others, the person that you're holding the most against is your own self. You're so mad how you handle the situation, you're crucifying yourself, you're holding yourself guilty for something. Maybe it was your fault, maybe it was just what your, how your body was wired in that moment, but forgive yourself. Just say, I choose to forgive myself. I release myself from that mistake, from that habit, from that addiction. I release myself, I forgive myself for the consequences that brought on my family. I forgive. And the fourth one, so important, is I forgive God. Now, God could never wrong us, but sometimes when we get the diagnosis, it sure feels like he does. God would never do something to harm his children, but when we lose someone we love, we can shake our fist at God and blame him for being all alone. And friends, I wanna challenge you, if there's someone, something that's happened that you need to forgive, forgive the Lord. He loves you. He loves you so much and so deeply and so completely. And if it's not good, he's not done writing the story and we just have to hang on and we have to trust him to continue to weave it together, to work it together for our good, as he promised us he would. But whoever it is that we need to forgive, just do that in this moment. God, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. And then let's sing this song together that is well with our soul. that you sought us while we were sinners and you died on the cross for us because you loved us. And God, our lives is a response to your love. And we love you. Be with us this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you, church family. We'll see you next Sunday.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, and your precious son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to connect you with resources and support you to take your next step in your new walk with Christ. Text HEAVEN to 9400 to get started. Thank you for joining us today, and make sure you join us next Sunday, either online or in person, for 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. services.